Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. I don't know about you, but whenever I meet someone who shows great longevity, I always love to ask them about their secrets. That's why our guest today is truly a treat. Our guest today is the one and only Mimi Kirk. Mimi is a renowned best-selling author, internationally renowned lecturer, raw food chef, and coach. Mimi is also the author of many best-selling books, including Live Raw and Live Raw Around the World, The Ultimate Book of Modern Juicing, H2OH, and Plant-Based Dog Food Revolution. Her books are for anyone interested in a healthier life. Mimi also won the title of the sexiest vegetarian over 50 while she was in her 70s. Currently, Mimi is 82 years old and has no plans to slow down one bit. She's a big believer in the power of purpose and focusing on her passions, and she truly has so much valuable wisdom to share with us all. We can all learn a lot from her, so this episode is a must-listen. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth Podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hey, Mimi, how are you today? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. We're both very big fans of your work and you. been following your work for a while now. So it's uh, super exciting to be able to chat with you and learn a little bit more about your story. It's more of my play rather than my work. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I'm elderly person having a good time. That's all I can tell you. Better than ever. I really try to look at having fun every day. So it's not work for me. Is that one of your secrets? Because that's definitely a topic I want to chat about. I mean, you're extraordinarily youthful, of course, with your appearance. I mean, you look incredible. I'm not going to share your age, but you you do talk about you, your you age. Can, you can share it. You, I think you just turned 83, right? I, I'm going to be 84 in September. Wow. Yes. 84, you know. so I turned 83 last year. Last year. <laughs> and you do not look 83, 84, nowhere near it. And on top of appearance, also energy-wise, I mean, I see on your Instagram, you're constantly doing something. I know you do a lot of painting and it seems like you have a lot of adventure in your life, which you look around and especially in this country, we see a lot of people who, when they get to a certain age, they don't have that vitality. They're not able to really move their body. So I definitely want to chat with you about some of your tips. Great. (laughs) I'm open for that. Wonderful. But to get started, I would love to learn a little bit more about your story. I know that you had to overcome some adversity earlier on in life, and eventually you found your passion. So if you can give us a little bit more background into your story and what led you here. Well, I was born in 1938 in Hollywood, California, and I was married at 17 because we had options of either being a secretary or getting married back in those days. (laughs) That was it. No idea of a career or even in my family, really no money. So it was no college or anything. We didn't even have that option. And I'm the youngest of seven, actually. And I got married at 17. And that was not because I didn't want to be a secretary. It's because I actually fell in love. I was married and at 29, my husband was killed in an airplane crash. And I had four children to raise. And I've been a stay-at-home mom for seven years. 
So I had to work immediately. There was no, it was a private plane. There was no insurance. There was nothing. And I was, you know, kind of drugged out for a couple of days that they gave me. And then I thought, no, I, I can't do this. I have children. And honestly, I'm so blessed and lucky to have my children because they kept me motivated and alive. I had a purpose in my life. And when I was 30, I started to meditate and that turned everything for me. And so my life, my, my hardship in that time of my life, I think made me who I am today, because I think that things have to happen that you overcome and you get more confidence in yourself. I was really just a housewife, homemaker. I didn't really didn't have any desires to do anything other than that. And I didn't really believe in myself in any other way but that. But this snapped me to it. And I knew I had to make a living and I had to take care of my kids. And it built my strength tremendously. When I look back now, I could have gone in either direction. So something in me has always had, had a positive spirit about making a difference in life and everything. And it all came together through doing some workshops and trying new things and just opening up to who I really was. And then I found an appreciation for myself. So I always knew that I would be able to make a living, take care of my kids and so forth. So I worked in the film industry for 17 years. I stood in for Mary Tyler Moore. I designed the clothes for Rhoda, all the scarves and everything. That was all my concept and ideas and the clothes. I used to dress that way. And then she wanted to dress like me. They, she told the producers and they said, okay, let's do it. Well, then of course I couldn't dress anymore because people say, oh, you dress like Rhoda. So <laughs> I was like, I can't wear those scarves or anything anymore. So I kind of went into another look. It was very boho chic at the time, or that's what they called it. And it was a fashion thing. And it was, she wrote about it in her book that I created that. And I think back about it, it seemed like nothing. But when I look back, it's like, wow, I created a fashion I started to look at things because my mom said, you never brag about yourself or say you do things good. That it was not an okay thing to do. So we never said if we did something good as women in that time, we kept it down low and was played, it, played it down. But then I started to acknowledge myself. And as I got older, I started to look at all the things I've accomplished in my life. And it makes me feel very joyful that I have gratitude and I've opened businesses and sold businesses. I've worked, traveled the world. I've done such amazing things. And I look at my life now, it seems better than ever because I feel that I, I'm in love with myself. I'm so happy about the person I am. And I know I want to do good in the world and everything I come on. I wrote seven books in my 70s and I started painting in my 80s, just a year ago, actually. And I've already sold 80 paintings. So wow. I, I just think I have very lucky to have a passion for life. I don't have, I'm not a person who suffered with anxiety or depression. I could have, but I think I learned through meditation that we have a choice to look at things that happen to us in our life that may not be very happy and how to phrase it, how to look at problems as challenges instead of problems. So I've been able to overcome lots of little things that have happened in my life. And I think my good health is not my family's good health. There's cancer in my family and Parkinson's and strokes and heart problems. And we've had everything in our family, lupus, everything. And I started eating vegan diet, a vegetarian diet when I was 30, after I started meditating, because I realized animals <laughs> were live creatures with feelings. And I just couldn't do it. I came home one day and told my kids, we, we can't eat meat anymore. I can't, I can't 
cook an animal. I just can't. They said, okay, we'll do that. I said, when we go out, if you want to eat something, you can, but I just can't have it in the house. And they said, no, no, we like animals too. So hmm. they were all young and they said, okay. So we started as vegetarians. And then I found out about the vegan life. And I went, oh, that's what I need to do to be really taking care of things. Because vegetarian, you can still wear leather. You can still do a lot of things, eat eggs and cheese. And you're still harming animals in a lot of ways. So I went, I went vegan as a compassionate vegan. I didn't think about health. I was 30, I mean, 31. And health, you didn't, I had good health. I didn't even think about it. At, but now I see all those years, what it's done for me. And I became a raw vegan in my late 60s. So that's, I was off being vegan a couple of times when I met my boyfriend. My mother said the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So I started cooking for him and eating the foods he ate. He liked vegetables, but he ate meat and so forth. And I had some of that. And then I gained 22 pounds and I didn't feel good. And my doctor said my cholesterol was high and so was my blood pressure. And he gave me a prescription and I just flipped out. I thought, oh no. Everyone in my family takes so much medication. I just don't want to. There's got to be something else. And I started looking up on Google. Thank you, Google. And there's everything there. You can't believe everything. That's not all true, but you have to really search a lot to find out things. And I found out that a raw diet, a raw vegan diet was really healthy. And I thought, well, I'm just going to give it a try and see. I tried it for two weeks and I said, I'm hooked. This is it. And then I didn't, it was brand new, pretty much not so popular. I mean, raw vegans been around for a long time, but it wasn't that popular in this time type of period when I was doing it. And I didn't really like some of the recipes I found. So I started making up my own and then I posted it on Facebook and then it just all blew up. I was voted at 70. I was voted the sexiest vegetarian over 50 by PETA. And that kind of put me into a public person. I was not before. I had a hundred people on Facebook then it turned to 1,500 and then, then 2,500 and then 190,000. It just kept growing until I was hacked. It was 190,000. But that put me on the map. And I was 70 and everybody else was much younger. And I think that's the reason I actually won this nationwide contest. But then I really felt I had a calling. And how could I use what I know to help other people? And there it was. That's my basic story. There's a lot of other very fun things, but that's the overall picture. <laughs> you know, I have to go back because I really applaud you for turning adversity or challenges into positive things. Cause I think even throughout your life, like in your sixties, like you said, you were able to do that. And so many people nowadays, like even in their twenties, something happens or something happens in their childhood and that becomes their story and they become a victim to their circumstances and are never able to see out of it. So the right. fact that you were able to do it so many times throughout different stages of your life, I think is so inspiring and so telling to other people to kind of shift their perspective on sometimes in life, things happen for us and not to us and right. adversities into accomplishments like you've been able to do. I do a lot of coaching and people come to me for food coaching and I have them fill out a questionnaire and I immediately know it's not the food, it's the other stuff, just like what you said. The something's happened to them and they take it as a bad thing and they just become a victim of it all instead of having the choice of switching it. I don't know what it is in a person that allows them to switch it, but my kids always kid me. They say, oh, you live in denial. They love it because they mean denial is I don't, something isn't right. I just overlook it or I find another way around it or I make it fun or 
laugh at myself and they go, you're always in denial. And they said, we think it's a good thing because you're in good shape. But when I, when I actually have to coach somebody and get that out of them, that they, they can't get off this place. And I know it's like that. And it's not just when people get older that they give in. It's people that turn 50 or people in their 40 who get a wrinkle and think, oh my God, I have to do fix myself up. Well, I mean, if you need that, it's fine, but it doesn't answer the problem about either yourself. So I, I don't have any work done and I'm glad I don't because this is me. This is my face. I'm so happy to see me because I see so many people and I go, that's not their real face. I wonder who they would look like. So, and I've always loved indigenous women who are like, have been in the sun and they look like clack, crack clay in their face. And I look at them, I go, oh my God, that's so gorgeous. It's like a piece of art. So I've never been worried about my looks in aging. I try to stay looking nice and I had blonde hair because I loved it. And then over COVID, it was like, okay, that's enough. I'm ready to go gray. And now I'm so happy with that. But it is really a frame of mind of looking at things, not as a problem, but a challenge and overcoming adversity and realizing that that was an important thing in your life. Like whatever happens to you is meant to happen to you. And you have to figure out how to make the best of it. Because what other choice you have? You can go down the rabbit hole, spiral downwards, or you can decide to lift yourself up and learn something from it. And I really feel that strongly. And more, more and more and more as I age, I think I've always had that, but I really feel it now more that I've aged, that that's what you have to do with your life. Because we are really writing our own script. We really cause that, that problem on ourselves because we didn't want to look at it any other way. Someone did it to me. I got divorced. My husband left me. Okay, well, you still have your legs and your eyes and your hands and your, your beautiful children. And you can't look at anything as a loss. You can say, I look at, I have these beautiful children from that. And now I learned so much. You just have to turn things around. And I don't know why it feels natural for me to do it. And I don't know why other people can't do it. Even after I coach them, I find that they still have, they go back to five years ago. It's like, why and what the future why all we have is now if you start looking at the future you can't even be in the present and if you keep looking in the past you can't be in the present and you carry around this this weight on you so i think trying to be in the now as much as possible is a really great way to live i agree and i think that's something that most people struggle with what are some practices that helped you get there? I know you mentioned that your life changed when you started meditating in your thirties. Do you think that's what really propelled you to come to a lot of this wisdom and like inner work and understanding of how the world works and how we really have this control over how we think? Are there any other practices that helped you get there? Because I think a lot of people struggle with being present they, and being mindful. Yeah, they do. I went to workshops. I did a couple of workshops in the eighties, EST and those kinds of things, personal growth workshops. And I worked for one. For a while, I was an assistant conductor, and I really felt that helped me get more accept, you know, appreciate myself. I want to use that word. I actually appreciated myself through these workshops. But meditation really set me up to that. This is just the body. We have to take good care of it, but it is just the body. It's the soul that is really alive. And that's what we have to bring out. That's kindness and love for yourself and other people and doing the best you can out in the world. And I mean, I love that word, that word kindness, because I think that's very important. And when you get out of yourself to look at everybody as a unique person in this body, in this human body, that we're all different, 
who wants to be the same as everybody else? It would be so boring if we were all the same. And I think now the world is in such turmoil politically and there's such a divide. And I don't get it because I have all kinds of friends. I don't agree with them on a lot of things, but this doesn't mean that the person they are is not someone I like. And so we have to find a way. And even if you don't like it, we have to find a way to be more accepting, not only of yourself, which is the first few thing you have to accept, but to be accepting of other people. And I think that my meditation definitely was important for me, but I think it's something I've learned over the years on my own by experience. Now, I think my lifestyle coaching, which I, I, I call it that because it's really food coaching, but it isn't, it's more I do lifestyle coaching. But I think it comes from my experience in life and meeting a lot of people and working with people. I did, I had a workshop partner. I lived in Mallorca four years and we did a lot of workshops there. We brought people in. She was a shaman and I did some of the other kind of stuff for the workshop, the lifestyle thing. And just listening to people's stories and having them share their stories and open up and let them know they're not the only one that feels that way. That is very, a really great thing. When you tell the truth about yourself, you learn that other people experience the same thing, which brings me to something that I've done in my life. I created a board game for women and I did that in my, let's see, my late fifties, I started it and I did it throughout my sixties. I had a board game for women called Cowgirls Ride the Trail of Truth. And it was all personal questions. You'd sit around at night and have your margaritas or whatever. And you draw cards and you move these little horses around. You answer questions about your own life. And that game would run till three or four in the morning. Women loved it. And I had all kinds of products that were kind of cool retro Western girls, not kind of corny Western. Sometimes it can, but it was really cool stuff. T-shirts. A girl on a horse that said, does this saddle make me look fat? <laughs> or the way to avoid housework is to live outside. Or there ain't no time for looking pretty when you got to slop the pigs. I mean, it had all these great sayings in there and products that had that on the t-shirts and mugs. And I went to 16 trade shows a year and I sold, I sold a ton of this. Hasbro wanted the game. I just decided I should do it myself. I knew nothing about it. This is my thing. I think because I'm so dumb about things, I think, oh, I could do this. And I just go ahead and do it. And I didn't know anything about making a game or anything. I worked with a designer and I had it. I was, I don't really think I invented the game. It came from somewhere else. I was living in Taos, New Mexico. And I was very inspired by the women who came there who were really kind of rugged women. They came from New York. They came as painters, George O'Keefe. And it was all these amazing, strong women that left New York or wherever they were to come to this dusty little town in the mountains. And I was so inspired by them. And then I started thinking, oh, cowgirls were like that. So I started reading about them. And one day I sat down at the computer. I don't even play games. And I started typing. And honestly, I really learned what staying out of the creative process meant because my mind would say, oh, that question's pretty stupid. You don't want to and I'd go, just look at it later, finish it up, and then you'll read it later. And I kept doing that to my mind until my fingers were just typing away. And I was typing. I did 1,200 questions. I was designing. I did the whole thing by staying out of my head, which is the, really the design, even when I paint, just stay out and stop. Don't critique yourself. Just finish it. Then you can look and make the changes. And I put this game together and I went out and tested it. And everyone loved it. I went to New York. I went all around with different ages, over 18, tested the game. 
And then it was good. And then I go, how do I get this made? Well, had, I had one copy that was made by hand. Well, a little cards section was made out of a pizza box. You know, I had little things that I did, but it was beautiful. I had a designer do a map on a board. And then Has- Hasbro wanted it. I took it to them. And then I thought, no, I got to do this myself. So I went out and raised money. Nothing I've ever done before. Another thing I've never done. I had an environmental newspaper in Los Angeles, something I've never done before. I wasn't a writer. I did that for over a year. It was very successful. And I sold other businesses, a jewelry business. And I think that I'm motivated by passion. And when I get bored doing something, I have to create something new. I don't know what that is. But once it's done and I've done it, it's like, okay, time to move on. Like during COVID, I was baking sourdough bread. Well, that's a challenge, by the way. It's something you have to do over and over and over again to get the timing and the and the temperatures and everything right. And I perfected it. And I went, okay, now what? I've made so many loaves of bread and they are all delicious. I can go on doing this, but maybe I should get some paints or something. And I went out, I didn't know I could paint. And I went and got some canvas and paints and started painting. And my grandkids said, oh my God, grandma, you can paint. I paint abstract. And my boyfriend said, wow, you can paint. So my granddaughter set up a an Instagram page for me. And I, there I am painting now. I have, I've had one show and I have another one in October and I don't know how this happens. And I think it's because I'm in denial and I stay out of my head. And I, even when I'm writing my books, I really stay out of my head. When I finish, then I look and see what I need to do to make the changes. And I think that's, that's the secret to not stopping yourself from creativity, just to be free. That's what painting does for me. So those are all my secrets, if you want to call them that, is staying out of my head and just doing what I like to do and have fun with it. And I've been able to make a living and be independent and take care of myself. I met my boyfriend at 64. He was 45. And we've been together 20 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. And we've traveled together. We've done everything together. And I didn't let that age thing stand in my way that, oh, I'm too old for him and whatever. I just went for it. And we met online and I don't know, it just worked out. So I just, I try to look at the best of everything that's happening or the worst that's happening and see what I can make good out of it. See if I can take something good out of it. And I don't, I honestly want to say that I don't think I'd be this energetic and out there kind of person if my health was bad. You know, when you're sick, even with a cold or people who have COVID, you're just out of it. You can't even think straight when you feel sick. And I think that your health should be really at any age, your health has to be the most important thing. You can't go back once you really ruin your health. So you have to start doing it as early as possible doing the things that are healthy for you. And I don't mean a restrictive life. You want wine, have some wine. Don't drink 14 glasses, drink two. I mean, eat chocolate if you love chocolate. It's got antioxidants in it. You know, everybody knows what food is good and what food isn't. We're, we're all educated in that. There's enough stuff out in the media that lets you know blueberries are great for you. Any kind of berries are good for you. Eat organic. Don't eat the pesticides on the berry. I mean, we all know this. It's just, do you want to do that? And I'm telling you, you have to pay attention to your health. Good health is what allows you to continue your life as you age and do all the things you love. You can travel. You can walk on cobblestone streets. You're you're not getting tired. You can invent new things. You can never give up what your goals are. 
but if you're sick, you can't do that. And there's so many people, I know a lot of people that are in great shape, older than me. And then I know a lot of people that are not in good shape, younger than me. So your health is really, really, really important. And I walk, my walking partner and friend is 92 years old. (laughs) And she is like, I'm so inspired by her. She, tiny little lady, 90 pounds. She's always eaten healthy. Her mother was like a health nut. She's always worked out. She can't stand it. If I don't walk the day, she still goes to the gym. She has to work out. And she also eats three meals a day, no matter what. She gets up, eats a huge breakfast, uh, vegan yo- uh, non-dairy yogurt on cereal with all kinds of berries and hemp seeds and flax seeds and all the seeds you can think of on top. A big giant bowl. She eats it even if she's not hungry. Lunch is at 12 to 12.30, even if she's not hungry. A big salad. And dinner she'll eat at 4.35, even if she's not hungry. So she keeps her metabolism. It's really brilliant. She keeps her metabolism very even. And she doesn't have the ups and downs. She's in amazing health. And I just think she's pretty awesome. (laughs) And I know people who are athletic in their 90s. And I know a lot of people are living to be over 100 today. Uh, The Blue Zone, as you probably know, is this awesome book. And everything in there really shows what they're doing. They're eating mostly a plant-based diet. They're not overeating. They're keeping a social life, having good friends. They eat until they're like 80% full. And they do so many things. They drink wine, like the men from Sardinia. They have two glasses a day. And they're social. They have a social circle. And I think we can do that with ourselves. Stress is a killer. It's aging. It knocks our cells out of whack. And I think that we have to pay attention to that and find what are we really stressed at? What is, what's the big deal? Is this a life or death thing? Or do I just have a, a spider in my house? I don't know. I mean, you have to judge and see what, what's real for your life. That's the things I think are really important about aging. And the other thing is, is, oh man, when we get older, we just think we can say anything. <laughs> I love that. You can, you can tell someone off if you want. You just like have no, you just say what you feel. It's really freeing not to worry about what someone thinks about you. And the older you get, it really feels more of that. And, and I, I love that. I think that's kind of funny. And I don't do everything right. And that's what makes me laugh at myself. Oh, my God. I think I'm hilarious. I saw a caftan and I wanted to make one. Well, I can't see. I have macular degeneration. Doesn't stop me from painting. I, can, I can't read on my computer anymore. I don't want to write. They've asked me to write another book, but that would be too difficult for me. But I do everything else. I can see, I can see in a distance, but I can't see it close up. I can see your face, but I can't see your eyes right now, but I can see mostly everything. I watch the TV. I can't read subtitles, but I saw my eye doctor the day. He said, you've managed this so good. It doesn't stop you from doing anything. And I, that's when I told him I made a caftan the other day. He said, what (laughs) you were sewing. I mean, he thinks that's impossible. So I said, well, it was really an easy pattern. I saw what my old one looked like. And I thought, well, if I can get my boyfriend to thread the needle, I couldn't do that. That's too tiny for me. I could, I have memory of how to sew. And I just sewed that thing and around the collar. I didn't cut so straight because I didn't have my good scissors on one side. I used hair cutting scissors. And then I sent for Amazon to get me some good scissors to straighten it out. But I'll be darned, I can wear that thing. I'm not going out to party, but it's a nice little lounging thing. So I don't let anything stop me. My boyfriend said, one day you're painting, the next day you're making caftans. What is going on? And it's like, it shouldn't stop, no matter how old you are, of things that you want to do. 
Another thing I find when I'm consulting is I, t- I ask people what their passion is. They don't have any. They said, I don't know. I'm trying to find it. Well, where are you looking for? What are you doing? To, what are you actually doing to find your passion? And so many people don't know what that is. And it could be anything very simple, but you need one. When you wake up in the morning, you have to be excited about something to get up for. Otherwise, you might as well just stay in bed unless you feel like you want to get up and do something. And that's how I feel every morning when I get up. Oh, my God, I get to paint today. Or I'm going to go for a walk. Or I've got a, you know, a 12 o'clock con- consulting thing or something. You have to have something that excites you every day. And you might have to manufacture it to start. You know, fake it till you make it. That really is true. You might have to manufacture why you want to get up in the morning. But I do believe for older people, it's vital that you have plans. Oh, next week, the grandkids are coming. Oh, the week from then, we're going to take a little tour somewhere. Whatever it is for you, you've got to have plans that keep you motivated. It keeps you excited about life. I I think those are very important things for anybody aging or anybody young. (laughs) Young people don't usually have a problem. They usually have too much to do. But for older people, they start to slow down. And I think even if you don't feel good and you're in a chair and you can't do much, you can actually do chair yoga. You can move your arms up and down. There's things you can do. You can turn your body one way or the other. You can do something. And there's so many amazing things and things to learn on YouTube, on all the channels that we get now. We're not without good stimulation. And I think if that's important for people who can't do much, I recommend, I never liked exercise. I've done it, yoga, Pilates, everything. But I love walking. And that's one thing that has stayed with me for a long time. And you don't have to do it all at once. If all you can do is 15 minutes out and 15 minutes back, that's good. And the next day or the next, later on in the evening, maybe you want to do another 15 out and a 15 back. It all adds up. You need to move your body. It's very, very important for health. If you're not exercising and you're a young person, you better start doing something because your muscle tone gets lost and you're not going to be happy later on in life. You have to stay, your muscles have to stay healthy. You have to stay healthy. So I think it's very important to exercise, find what you love. It doesn't matter what it is and do it and do it consistently. Consistency is what really helps. And I think that has a lot to do with a long life. Those people in the blue zone, they're climbing mountains, they work in the yard, they do normal, normal things. They don't go to the gym. They're just doing normal things to work out every day. So I think that's really important. Do you work out? Both of us. Every, yeah. every day, every you single do. day. So you know what that's like, what that does for you. And when you start good habits at your age, they'll last for you. I mean, there's still runners in their 90s and 100 running. Uh, my one son who's 61, that sounds so funny for me to say. Wow. <laughs> Actually, he's 62. My daughter's 61. It's not what? And my boyfriend is 64. So, you know, (laughs) my kids and my boyfriend are in the same age bracket. And uh, my son is a runner and a swimmer. And he competes in running still at that age. He's really into exercising and he's in great shape. I have amazing kids. We love to get together. We have a really close family. We have so much fun. One of my sons is hilariously funny. Keeps us cracking up no matter what funny. And they all cook. We all get together and cook in the kitchen. They're all great cooks. And I mean, honestly, we love, 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 love being together. And that's one of our, they, all of us, the grandkids as well. They're all, they all love being together. When the family gets together, it's just, and they're all so beautiful and wonderful people and good hearted and kind and everything a mom could ever want. They're just great kids. I've never had any trouble with them. They're, 
they've always been really great. I think because they grew up without a dad, mm-hmm. I think that was a big thing that we were very close, look out for each other. My son's very protective. Yeah, I think that's that's always been it. I always said, stick up for your family, always stick up for your family. That's so important. And yeah. And I'm sure you guys are close because you work together. You have to be <laughs> very close. And another yeah. aspect of health that you kind of mentioned was just gratitude, right? I think a lot of times, you know, we overcomplicate things like with, you mentioned, like most of us know what's healthy, what's not healthy, the food we eat. We know that community is, is, is very, like, you know, very important and physical activity, but people overcomplicate things. They're like, should I be keto? Should I be running? Just just get started. Just do it. But I think gratitude. Pick one, pick one, right? Do it. Yeah. But gratitude is another one that, you know, we can tell that you're very grateful for everything in your life. It seems like the good and the bad. It's the biggest thing. I think that you have to go get in bed at night and think about what you're grateful for. That's what you go to sleep with. And then you think of what you're grateful for in the morning. And I think that I feel grateful all the time. I wake up, I'm grateful. I'm still here. You know, people go, oh gosh, you know, it's the tough getting old and stuff. I said, no, it's so great. You're here. You understand? How lucky you are to still be here. How many people pass away early on in life, 30, 40, 50, especially now. And what COVID, how many young people COVID took. I mean, we're so blessed to be every day that we wake up and blessed to have a healthy body. And to know, I'm always grateful that I know these things, that I am able to uh, take the things I've learned with food and everything and help other people with it. Cause I think my books are awesome. I really am very proud of them. They're evergreen. They are health books that you want know, to say, Oh, well, this isn't good anymore. It's always good. It's the same thing that will be there forever. The recipes help people start to make healthier food. Uh, there's lots of stories in there. It's very in- inspiring. And I've been uh, until COVID, I was out speaking all around the world. I spoke, I've spoken keynote speaker internationally for, for a long time now. And when I go out and speak, there could be a thousand people in the room and I know it changes their mind. And the thing that they look at is because I'm older and I'm still going out and still feeling good. People are very inspired. A lot of people don't have any, anyone to look up to. They tell me their grandma didn't live long or their mom's sick or the family's sick. They don't, they always think when you get old, it's not a good thing. So the fact that I'm out there, you know, dancing around and being active, really inspires so many people. It surprises me, but I know when they come up to talk to me, why? Because they have no model. They have no role model. So I I really feel very blessed and grateful that I've been able to be a role model for young kids and for older people even who say, well, if you can do it, then I can do it. And so I, I just think that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, again, to, to be in a position where you're inspiring people's the ultimate goal. And people really do need to see like you are your brand, right? The books that you've written, the lifestyle that you lead, it's the way that you actually live. You're not just selling a product, right? I mean, it truly is how you live. And when you see as, you know, a viewer that somebody is, is applying these principles to their life and look at how great they are, right? Look at how happy they are. Look at how healthy they are. It definitely gives you that motivation to try these things out. And what I like that you mentioned is that everything that you've written in your books is timeless, right? I mean, there's so many trends that come and go, especially in nutrition, something new every day, but what it comes down to are these key nutrition pillars that are timeless, that will always be the same. Fresh food. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Real food, you know, plant-based food, food, 
all of these things that have been important since the beginning of time and will continue to remain important to the end of time. And I think like we mentioned earlier, people do overcomplicate a lot of things, but there are these key pillars that are a lot simpler than we realize. And so I'd love to ask you, what are some of the key nutrition pillars that have stayed with you? I know that you outlined so many of them in your books and you know, you mentioned that you started as a vegetarian, you then went vegan, now you're vegan raw. What are some of the key things that are staples in your diet that you think have really helped you stay healthy? Well, first of all, I think processed food is what exactly what it is. It's processed. If you look at, let's say a box of cereal and let's say fortified vitamins, that fools people. They think that there's all those vitamins in that box, it's fortified. And fortified vitamins turns to fat in your body. It's not bioidentical. And it's because they took everything out of the nutrients in that box. The blueberries aren't even real blueberries. They'll call it blueberry cereal, but you never see blueberries on the ingredients list. And so processed food, I mean, I think you'd be better off eating the cardboard box (laughs) with eating what's inside of it. You get a little better roughage. But if you have to read labels out there, I'm really grateful that there's a lot of good food on the market now. There's a lot of stuff for vegans who don't want to cook something. There's great cheeses. There's wonderful foods. It's slightly processed, but it's better than eating the dairy version of the food. But I think that's the key. My, my thing is the key thing is stay away from processed food as much as possible. Try to do your own cooking. You have to go out sometimes. You have to send out sometimes, but cook for yourself most of the time because you know what you're getting. I mean, you go into the market and you buy an organic, you know, red bell pepper. I mean, that has so much life. You could just take a bite out of it right there. So I think staying away from all the other foods that are processed is is much better. You have to sometimes buy it. Maybe Uh, I understand people are cooking for a family and they both work and sometimes it's more difficult. And so I think food prepping might be important, really making your menu out so you can figure out what to feed your family that's healthy and that they all love. Juicing, by far, the best thing you should do every day. I, I really feel that if I tell people anything they should do is to start juicing because there's something about pure juice, not a smoothie. You can make smoothies, but a pure juice, it really goes to the right place in your bodies because it's pre-digested and it's pure. It's like drinking water with a flavor in it because it's thin and pure, especially if you have a good juicer. And if you drink that in the morning and that starts your day, it does give you energy better than coffee. And it's energy that lasts. And then you can eat a little breakfast if you want and a nice, you know, big salad for lunch. So I believe dark leafy greens, you know, kale and, and anything that's dark leafy greens. I love romaine. I love chard, all of it. Those kinds of things really give your body energy and nutrients. And, you know, I think that most, a lot of people I talk to, they fade out in the afternoon, three o'clock. They're so tired. They either have some sugar or they have a coffee or something. And I think that's the worst thing you can do. You need to have a piece of fruit. You need to have some green, something that's going to actually give you some nutrients. So that's a key thing for me is making sure your body gets enough nutrients. I, I believe in some intermediate fasting and even in my juice book, which is an amazing book, I must say, it's really a great, my juice, uh, ultimate book of modern juicing. It's really, really a fantastic book because it tells you different foods that are good for different ailments. And then I wrote a tea book, tells you different teas that are good. Green tea, black tea, white tea. Um, your teas are very, very healing. They all have antioxidants in them and they all have so much nutrients. But you should really make sure you buy uh, organic tea bags because you don't want to soak that tea bag that's been, you know, with any kind of pesticides in hot water. 
And something that I think there's a lot of confusion about that I see is for people who do juice, there's people who they like to separate. Like if it's just a fruit juice, they'll do just fruit. If it's a vegetable juice, just vegetables. What do you think of that? Are you fine with like mixing fruits into the juice as well? If there's vegetables, predominantly green juice. I think you have to. I think the the sweet juices are too much. I say 60% greens and the rest can be 40%. um, That is about 100%. (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to mix it. So I like something, let's just say off the top of my head, you have spinach, you have cucumbers, you have celery, you can put a green apple in or some pineapple. You can even throw some chia seeds in there or a little lemon. And that makes a really nice drink because you have mostly the greens, the celery and cucumber and spinach. And then you have to have a little sweetener. It makes it taste better. You should not have to drink bad tasting juice. When I first started, I juiced years ago, by the way, with these all old time juicers in the in the 70s. I was juicing for my kids and it was like so much to clean the screen. It was so hard. And the juicer went under the sink. I just couldn't do it. And the new juicers are just awesome. They're easy to clean. They're just great. Anybody can find a good juicer for themselves. There's a lot of good ones on the market. I like in my juice book, there's a lot of mixtures and it'll say, do you have a certain ailment? Do you have, are you bloated? Are you this? Well, this is a good vegetable to use for that. So not only with the teas, do I do that? That tells you what's good for what ails you. I do that in the juice book. There's a big glossary of that. So if you have a certain condition, you'll just juice those vegetables. And it's good to change off. You don't shouldn't drink the same thing every day, but you should have greens every day. You can't really get enough. The, they say that they are being the, the USDA. They say that you should have five servings of vegetables and five servings of fruit every day. And that makes that's that's what will make, make you healthy. There's a new pyramid out. Remember the pyramid that they used to show meat up there? It's way down there. <laughs> Uh, So I think that that's very important. And if you're not raw and you're just vegan, beans are very, very good for you. Full on protein. The people in other countries, the blue zone countries, they all eat beans. They make soup. They have beans every single day in their diet. They use beans. Beans are great. Beans are in your soup. It's very good protein. I am not protein deficient. I have never been protein deficient all these years. So when people say, where do you get your protein? It's like, where are you getting yours from? Because yours is not as healthy as mine. It's in everything I eat. All the greens have protein. It's enough every day. People are over-proteinized. And uh, I, I think people are looking at protein too much. They're looking at calories too much. You want to look at health. If you're going on what you call a diet, don't go on a health a diet. Go on a health diet. Do it for your health, not to lose weight. Don't go on a weight diet. They don't work because all of a sudden it's a negativity thing in your mind. I have to lose weight. I have to lose weight. It's much better to say, I want to be healthy. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to eat everything that makes me healthy. And then every once in a while, do something that's not healthy. It's okay. But don't put bad energy on it. Don't look at your plate and say, oh, my God, I shouldn't be eating this. This is terrible. Oh, my God. Well, just eat it and just say it's going to give me some good energy somewhere. And then tomorrow I'll clean up. So don't be so hard on yourself. Make this easy for you. You don't want to be so restrictive and You know, I I think that veganism is really important and I'm a compassionate vegan. I know a lot of compassionate vegans. They chase people away because they're so intense about it and making people wrong for eating something else. You can't do that. You can't sit at a table with friends who are eating a 
piece of meat or something and start talking about how they shouldn't be eating it because of the animal. You have to allow people to get where they're going to go on their own. You have to be the true self that you are. And people will find that in you. And they'll say, oh, what are you doing that you're so healthy? Or what's, you don't have to be out there telling people what they should or shouldn't eat unless they ask you. And, but not volunteering it when you're out. And some people are just militant about everything. And I don't think that helps us change. You know, I believe people should be vegan. I think it's much healthier for the world and much healthier for the animals. I feel so different inside here, all over here, not eating animals that I'm not killing to eat. I don't feel like I'm damaging an animal that I might have a relationship with because I look in their eyes and I love them all. And I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, I feel good that I'm not hurting that animal. I'm sorry when they, when they go to the slaughter, it's a horrible thing to watch. There's so many movies out today. So many films have been made that people can educate themselves what it's like. And then you use your own judgment after that. But I'm really happy that I've taken this path for my life. I, I, I feel great about that. That's amazing. And it sounds like you really have a lifestyle that you're comfortable with and that you find a lot of joy in, which I think is important. I think sometimes when it comes to health and wellness, people will force something because it seems healthy and they're, they're not enjoying the process, which right. is unhealthy, right? If you're not in the good mindset while you're right. doing it. doesn't so, do anything. Right. Exactly. So I think you have to sort of take your time, experiment with things, see what works for you. What feels good and what feels like relatively easy and enjoyable is probably what's best for your body. And everybody's different too, right? It's an individual type thing. And don't be afraid to change anything. If it's not working for you, have something else. Don't try to stick to something that isn't fun and isn't really, there's other health options you can find that are fun. First of all, the raw food or vegan food is really good today. It's not like the old days of brown rice and everything on a, a buffet table, you know, at a, at a, 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 a place, a party where you had to bring a dish and you look and the whole table was brown. I don't know why, but it was in the early days. And now everything is colorful and live and beautiful. It's not overcooked. Oh, there's so much beautiful food out there. Find what you like and get some recipes if you can't do it on your own and then start working in the things that you like in the recipe. Oh, I got to have more garlic. You know, every time I make chia pudding, I try to think of something else I'm going to put in it. The other days I made it like a banana split and bananas at the bottom. I had mangoes. I used some coconut whipped cream on top of it. I made a chocolate pudding, all vegan, of course, chocolate pudding and raw chocolate pudding on the bottom and they did chia seeds and then another layer of chocolate pudding. And I, I you know, I just try to get creative with it all the time. And in, in my book, Raw Vitalize, that I wrote with one of my daughters, it's a very easy book to follow because it's for working people who can't spend much time in the kitchen. And it tells you how to prep earlier to make food that you can have for breakfast and lunch for a whole week. And also just 10 minute, 15 minute meals and, and great breakfasts, a lot of choices and easy for everyone. And not a lot, not a dehydrator and a lot of the equipment that you need if you're going fully raw and you want to do it, you need to buy certain equipment, but a blender works and a good sharp knife and a cutting board, you know, can get you by or a food processor if you have, but it's a really, really good book. It's a 21 day book. So, and we have a Facebook page called Raw Vitalized Book Club. So people can help each other and post recipes they make and talk about it. So that's been really nice. And it, the book just came to us because my daughter said, I got to get back being raw and just vegan now, but I don't know, raw food just made me feel better. And so, but I'm so busy. I said, well, let's sit down and figure out some recipes. And we both worked on it. And I said, oh, this is good. We should do a little ebook. 
And I said, but I better call my agent first and see if I can do that since I have publishers. So I have to give them first dibs on a book. And she called me back in two minutes and she said, they want it. <laughs> they want to publish it. And I'm so happy because it's in its fifth printing. And that is awesome that all my books are selling. I have to say I have bestsellers in, in my book collection, but that, that book reached the fifth edition. That was so great to hear. A and, big accomplishment. Uh, yeah, it was. It was really. And my first book is like that too. It's been, been printed over and over, live raw. And yeah, but that book, because we knew that's helping a lot of people. That book was a really good for people who wanted to change, but they were afraid to. And now, uh, even though they don't follow it on a daily basis, they're, most of the recipes that stayed with them are from that book, they said, that that book, recipes they use in their household every week. So that, that my daughter and I were really happy. So I wrote that with that daughter and I wrote another book with my other daughter and she's a dog person. We bought, a, we wrote a plant-based dog book. And I know people say dogs have to eat meat, but the oldest living dog, one of the oldest living dogs is 25 years old, was a vegan. And dogs if you want to still feed your dog some of this other food, a lot of the food out there today is not good for your dog. That's why dogs, 50% of them get cancer. Dogs get as many diseases as humans, and they shouldn't be. And so what you want to make sure that they get enough vegetables in their diet. So even if you feed them the other stuff, you need to feed that. Our recipes are human grade. You could eat it. You could make it and give your dog some and put some more spices that they don't eat garlic and stuff, you can put that into your food and you can eat it, you know, grain based or something. And my boyfriend's the photographer in all my books. And he did the photography. My granddaughter did the dog pictures and he did the food pictures. And while he's, we would set it up in front of him. And then when he finished, we'd be making another dish. We said, you can eat that if you want. He said, okay, I'm getting dog paid by dog food. And he can eat the food because it is human grade. And my daughter who just lives with her dog, she makes food for her dog and then she takes part of it for herself. I know it sounds so weird, but she, her dog is eating that. And I mean, you can feed your dog some other things, obviously. You can feed them if you want to feed them chicken or turkey or something organic, but you have to feed them vegetables too. So we think the book is good for vegans who don't want to deal with any meat for their dogs. They feed their dogs table scraps, not good. Dogs need very specific vitamins and nutrients. So that's a very important thing to make sure that they get that. And that table food is not doing it. So it's good if you want to combine our food with some other food to make sure dog has everything. But we work for the food formulator and you can't just feed your dog this food. There's like stuff you sprinkle on top of the food. You can feed your dog this food and your dog will be healthy. We, we feel really proud of that. We think it's great. It's a very uh, ahead of its time. But now there's some books coming out, the same thing that say, oh, blueberries are good for your dog. Give your dog a little watermelon, you know, give your dogs spinach. So we, we were a little ahead of saying feed and vegetables. But now people who are against it are starting to do that. So, uh, yeah. That's great. You're very forward thinking. And my yeah. next question for you is that oftentimes when somebody might want to make a change, right? specifically with health or career or anything, a lot of times they might be surrounded by naysayers, whether it be a spouse, family members, friends. And unfortunately, a lot of people might succumb to that, right? That they really value the opinions of others and they allow that to sort of cloud their own intuition and and the path that they want to follow. Have you ever had a situation? Because I mean, you were a vegetarian and vegan before it was something that was widespread and mainstream. Did you ever run into situations where people sort of 
tried to make you feel uncomfortable for the type of lifestyle that you led? And for somebody who might be in that kind of a scenario now, do you have any tips that they could prioritize so that they, they move forward in the right direction? Yes, I think uh, for my, I'll tell you about myself first. It's been a very easy transition. A lot of people said, how could you just eat this? Are you getting enough protein, whatever? And I think because I ease into it, don't make a big deal of it. I can go to a restaurant with anybody, anytime and order a salad. If that's the only thing on the menu I can eat. And if it's not enough, I'll eat when I get home. So I don't make a deal of it. I don't say, oh, I'm a vegan. So can you take, I don't do any of that. I make it very easy. I don't make other people uncomfortable. I've gone to dinner parties. Most people obviously know that I'm a vegan, but when I wasn't a vegan, I would just pick out what was there. And I said, I, then I'll say, I'm sorry, I just don't eat meat, but I'm so happy to have the salad and whatever. I try to make it very easy. But here it goes back to one thing. I think self-love is so important because you have to take care of yourself like someone you love. And if you're doing that and somebody tells you that's not good, your instincts are telling you, this is the way I feel. I have to do this for myself. And even if you're living with someone who's eating meat and you don't want to eat it, and you're the cook in the family, fix your food first, make your meal, let it sit there, and then you can make theirs afterwards. And as long as your food is sitting there, you're not tempted to eat that food you don't want. That's a big problem a lot of people tell me they have. They're cooking for a meat eater or their kids or something, and they don't want to eat it, but then they get lazy and they're cooking for someone else. They figure I might as well just eat it. You won't feel that way if you cook your food first. You'll be so happy to eat that pesto stuffed mushroom and not the other stuff that you can't wait to get your mouth on it. So you make your food and then fix them food. You just have to go ahead and do that. And I don't think in anything in life, you should let somebody try to push you over. I think you have to stick for what, trust yourself, believe what's in your heart and your instincts. You have to believe in yourself. Stop questioning yourself. There is not another one like you. Only you do it the way you do it. You're special because you're the only one like you. Why would you want to copy somebody else? Just be you, just be you and know that that's a good thing. Don't let anyone put you down for anything. You're just being yourself. You don't have to act like they do or be like they do or eat like they do or whatever. Just do you. That's enough of a job, by the way, to do yourself. <laughs> just be you. It is. It's, it's a job sometimes when you're around people who try to, just, you know, take you down for what you're doing and it's like no I understand how you feel but I really love doing this it's really making me feel good and believe me if they get sick hopefully not but when they get sick or if they get sick they'll come back to you and they'll say what are you doing what are you doing to stay healthy because people do get sick in life it does happen I mean people get diseases very early in life and they don't pay any attention to it and then they think of all the things you told them you know six years ago and they'll go, what are you doing? I have a lot of people tell me that happens with them. So it's just stick to your guns. You don't have to be mean to anybody or try to put them down or anything. Just stick to your guns and say, I just love doing this. It tastes so good to me or it feels so good to me. So and is that something you've and is that something you feel like you've learned over time? Because I know you mentioned that you feel like as you've gone through life, you sort of just say what's on your mind. You don't really doubt yourself. Were you always like that? Or is that something that you've sort of learned through experience? Is that what life has taught you? I think I've been in, the, you know, in my own mind, pretty independent about things, but not as sure as myself. I mean, when I look back at pictures of myself when I was 30 years old, or even in my 40s, I went, wow, I was actually pretty. I had no idea that I was a good looking person. I don't think about that. But when I look back, I go, 
oh, hell, why didn't I enjoy it while it was there? You know, look at me now. Now look at this picture and look at that picture. I look at my old pictures, this dark wavy hair and a great cheekbone and everything. And I go, oh my God, I actually was pretty. So I start realizing you've got to enjoy yourself just where you're at. You have to appreciate yourself and you have to do it. But I didn't have it then. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have any of that then. It happened, it happened early on. I would say by time I was in my 50s, I started to get more confident in my 50s. Instead of being sorry about my 50s, oh my God, I turned 50s. I was like, all right, get going, girl. And because I always stay passionate and creative, I don't really worry about that. But I did, I did get a bigger mouth on me as I got older. You know, it's like, <laughs> you can do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. But I, I do think that you have to believe in yourself because I did really learn over years, there's no one else like me. I'm the only one. It doesn't make me better or worse, but there's no one else like me. There's no one else like you. The things you do, someone else doesn't do exactly the way you do them. I learned that in my painting. I'm not painting like anybody else. I'm painting me. And some people will like it. Some people won't like it. I don't expect everybody to like every one of my paintings or any of them, as a matter of fact. It's very personal. You know, somebody will go pick out a painting and it was like, wow, I didn't think that one would get that much attention. There were three people at my thing, my show wanted one painting. I didn't think that painting was going to sell even. But, you know, I, I have to stop making judgment on myself and the things I do. And I think that's important. I think a big part of it is when I invented that game, which was in my late 50s that I, I learned what that creative process was and how that thinking goes. And that as long as you're coming from here, everything is fine. When you're coming from here, sometimes you don't make the best choices. But when you're coming from your heart and you're coming from doing the right thing, I think you make really good choices. So you have to trust that. You have to just trust yourself. Very important at any age. Just try, don't question yourself. Do what you do the best you can do it. What else can you do? And if it doesn't turn out right, you made a mistake. It's not the end of the world. You're just going to do that you believe it's right. And then if it doesn't turn out right, so what? Is there failure? I don't think there's failure. I think, oh, okay, well, that wasn't right. I'm going to try this again another way. That's not failure. That's learning something. I, I just learned that didn't work. So we have to cut that out thinking that we've done something wrong or that we made a mistake or, oh, my God, we blew that. Uh, it happens. We're human. Stuff happens. You just have to pick yourself up and say, how could I have done that better? Okay, I learned something here. But don't stop yourself. Try to stay out of your head and into your trust your inner self more than your head. Some people have to think about every. That's what I was going to say when I invented that game. I don't. It was so funny because I thought, I don't think, think it out. I'm not, okay, what am I going to do next? Or how am I going to get that made? Or what? I just go for it because I think it's a good idea. I get lots of ideas. And the good ones, I, I do something about. The others, I go, oh, that's a good idea, but eh, I don't feel like putting any effort into it. But when you get an idea that drives you and you want to do it, like when you guys decided you want to do a podcast, you just go do it. It doesn't matter if you've ever done it before. You just give it a try. And then it starts to grow. And I think the more positive ideas you have, the more positive that comes back to you. The more fear or negativity you have, I think that comes back to you. So you can't stop. You can't stop. And uh, you write your own script and nobody's going to write it like you. And I think that's why we're here, to be individuals and to do what we love and to make a difference in others' lives by being true to yourself. That really helps other people. So I think that's a really important thing to learn any at any age. <laughs> Absolutely. And I agree with you. And you're doing it 
not for the approval of others, like you said, like you're painting, right? Like that's an expression of yourself and you're letting your creativity flow. And if others like it, great. If not, it's not their cup of tea, but who you are as an artist, you know? So I think it's really important because I think a lot of times we do things to please our parents or our friends or whoever the case may be, like the question that Johnny asked saying, no, like I'm, I'm just going to have a salad. I'm not going to have chicken or whatever. It's because you don't care about the approval of others. As long as you're not hurting others, it's really what you're kind of sticking to your own intuition. You can't really worry about what other people think about you Mm -hmm. because there's going to always be somebody that doesn't think well of you. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, I've been very, very lucky on social media that I don't get a lot of bad stuff. Every once in a while, somebody will say something and of course, all the people who like me will jump in and say, no, she hasn't had any plastic surgery. What are you talking about? Or somebody said, oh my God, she looks like she's, uh, you know, 80 or something. Or you look, you look older than my grandmother. Or, you know, occasionally I get that. It makes me laugh so hard. Like I care that the guy doesn't think I look, you know, younger than than I am or whatever. I, I don't care about that. It makes me laugh when someone does, but mostly people will jump in. But I've been very lucky to have very little of that. I don't have bad stuff on either my Facebook or my Instagram page. People don't say bad things about me. I think they get, I'm, I'm honest. The only thing is, is they'll say, oh, she must've had a lot of face work or she must've had a lot of money or they'll do that. And then they'll say, no, I've seen her in person or she doesn't have any work or no, you should see she's never done that. That's not her. Somebody will have to say something to say, but I never come back and say anything to those people ever because I don't need to. I don't really care. I mean, my kids think I'm fantastic. <laughs> what else do I want? <laughs> it's the I don't most important anything. thing, right? Yeah, it is the most important thing. My family, that's who loves me and they're proud of me and I'm proud of them. And that's the most important thing. And for people that are single and and maybe don't have kids or anything, you need to have a lot of friends. You need to be social. You need to take classes. You need to go places and museums and meet people. And you need to, even if you're single, besides having a dog, you need to get yourself a fun life out there and have a lot of friends. I have a lot of people I know that are single there was one time in there in an age group where women didn't look for marriage. They looked for work, their career. When, when I was raising my kids, my kids age group were looking for a career and not marriage. They, and, and, you know, that was a whole different thing. And most of many of her friends don't have kids and they have careers. And some of them got married. Some of them never got married because that way they weren't looking for it in that early, in that early years. So times always change. What's important. The ones I know that don't have kids, they're not sorry about it. They just realize that's what it is. They're very happy, independent women. They make their own money. They don't need a man to, you know, save them and to pay for them. And they're just been independent women their whole life. And they're completely happy with it. So it takes all kinds. It takes a lot of people to decide the way they want to live their life. Personal choice. You know, we all have our own journey. You can't. That's why I think the biggest issue is people compare themselves to others, but you really can't compare. It's like we all have our own unique path and we just have to follow our path. Right. And I think, you know, it's so interesting. I, I studied the Hindu philosophy and I've, I've been in the presence of and had actually two gurus. They've given me spiritual names. I, I've been following that for a long time. I've been to India and all of that. And I do believe that we come in. I do believe in reincarnation and I believe that we come in with something. Because my kids are all 
there's something similar with all of them that they do, but they're all different. And I think we come in with certain things that we have to work out in our lifetime. Uh, the, you know, I'm sure you and your sister have so many things that are like and so many things are different people. And you, when you raise your kids, you want them to be who they are, not what the family directs it. And I raise my kids as individuals that they should be love themselves and be kind to other people and do what they feel they all want to do. And they're all very different personalities and everything. They have we have a similarity in the family. We're all pretty funny and silly. But that, uh, other than that, there's, they're different. And my two daughters are different. My two sons are very different. It's just, it's great. That's what it's about. So we have to look at people. And when you're in a relationship, by the way, that's another huge thing. Your partner's not going to be just like you. That would be boring. There are going to be times when you don't agree on certain things. So what? <laughs> people are allowed to have them. Don't try to change somebody. You either accept who they are and figure out how to work about the things you don't like and pay more attention to the things you do like. And guess what? More of that comes through when you do that. So I think relationships are like that. Lasting relationships have to be where you don't try to change your partner. You find a way to accept who they are and grow together in that area. So I mean, I'm sure that's how we've stayed together so long since there's such a big age difference. We, I think he's older than me. He always says he has to trade me in for a 90-year-old. I'm too much for <laughs> So, you know, I told him I need to trade him in for two 30-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i totally and, agree with you and age is just a number you know i think that's another it really thing that people is. are realizing now like before there was all these stigmas now people realize like age is just a number it's how you feel and that's all that matters i i feel my body is aged and i don't mean that okay so i don't look good here that i don't mean that i mean my body's getting older you can't stop that but i'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm whatever that is that thing inside me is not getting any older only my body's aging i look in the mirror it's like who the hell is that you know because i don't have a connection i really don't have a connection to my body these days it's so hilarious because i think to myself i'm walking every day i get up i take a shower i look in the mirror make sure my eyebrows aren't like you know gray sticking out there i try to put those little things down and that's about it and this 92-year-old lady got me wearing lipstick in the morning. So before I go walk, I put a little red lipstick on because that's hilarious. Old ladies with red lipstick. I don't know why I think that's funny, but she was doing it. So I decided to do that. And that's it. I, don't, I will not look at myself until tomorrow morning until I do that ritual again. Because I am not that person in the mirror. I'm not that person. I'm, I'm another person inside this body. Because whatever I am in here... I think is going to live on forever. This is, will live forever. Whether it's true that there's reincarnation or not, that is the thing to me that will always be there. It's the body phase. And I have a new thing that I just told my kids and they don't want to ever hear about me dying. They think I'm never going to die. They just can't even stand it. Talk about it. When I say, do you want that painting? I go, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. They just go crazy, you know? And I say, when I die, I do not want you to tell anyone I died or I passed away or whatever. Tell them I went to Italy. <laughs> That's what I've decided. Sounds really good. <laughs> I went to Italy. I've never and heard that before. That's a real. I don't know when I'm coming back. So I got that new thing and I said, do not ever say something. My son was explaining it to his girlfriend. Oh, she wants to say when she dies. She got I said, no, no, don't say when I die. You've got to start right now saying she went to Italy. That's all you have to tell him. I went to Italy. 
And so I've got my friends saying, I've got other people now, she's saying, well, I'm going to the Rose Garden. So why not? Why not make something? Why, why do you have to make it heavy? I said, that sounds so good that I'm going to Italy. I love it. It's my favorite place in the world. So that's where I'm going, to Italy. So don't you think that's a good idea? I love it. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's very so, original. But I think for now, you're going to be in California. You're in great shape. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm here. I don't plan. I keep telling them, but just because I talk about it doesn't mean I'm going anywhere, but I'm not worried about it. I don't have any fears or anything. And I think my, my meditation and spirituality allowed me to see a lot of that and not being attached to the body in that way. doesn't mean you don't treat it, take care of it like a temple, but I'm just not attached to it because I know we are born and we die at some point. And I want to live as long as possible and as healthy as possible. And I'm doing that. But I know eventually I'm going to Italy. Let's have such a nice trip. No question about it. I love it. Now, one question that we love to ask all of our guests is if you could have tea with anyone, dead or alive, or I don't know if I say dead, someone who's been to Italy and hasn't returned yet. (laughs) (laughs) Who would it be and why? (laughs) Oh, that's such a good question. Wow. I have to think about that because I've never thought about that before. Well, I, I might think of someone different, but right now the person who comes to mind is Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> and I just, I think she's a fascinating woman who did things in her time that other women didn't do. She was really a ballsy woman. You know, she was just out there doing what she believed. And I find her very fascinating and also always would like to know more about her. But I, I'm sure there are other people that I look up to like that who made their mark and her individuals and George O'Keefe and Albert Einstein and people with minds that you can have a conversation with about something that really matters in, in life uh, and not trivia stuff. That's who I'd like to have tea with and either iced or hot, either way would be good. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fascinating for sure. And I agree with you about, you know, having deep conversations, surface level spine once in a while, but it's good to go deep. I love having dinner parties where I match people. I used to do this a lot. I don't know as many people here like that. But in L.A., when I was in L.A., I had some of the most interesting characters. And one of my friends, George, could talk about anything. And he would always start a conversation that would get everybody crazy in one way or the other. And I would have these dinner parties twice a week. And I would invite different people. And I always did it for the conversation at the table. And it was the most awesome thing ever. I would match different friends to be at that table and I'd know who was going to spark the next one and how it was. And everybody always loved it. In fact, my, I had a, I was after my widow, I was married once one other time. And my ex, my ex-husband, husband at the time, he went into a meeting years later and he went, Oh my God, I ate at your house. Your wife is the most amazing cook. And we had the most amazing, interesting time. Someone brought this guy. I didn't know who it was. Someone, people would say, can I bring my friend? That's what would happen. Can I bring some, you know, I'd say, okay, they're interesting. So it was like, I just love that kind of thing. That makes such a great dinner party where, you know, you're inviting people who are not talking about, you know, silly stuff, talking about meaningful stuff. And in LA, I knew a lot of people like that here in San Diego. I haven't made those kind of friends, so I don't have that. But that was, that was one of my favorite times. I have to say is when I lived in this one place in LA. And, uh, and had these dinner parties. I lived in the old Spanish duplex and it just lend itself to this kind of conversation. And, oh, so great. So great. There's a lot of great, a lot of great things happening. I love listening to the Ted talks. 
I mean, I find those fascinating. I, I think we have to keep our, our minds open and improving ourselves by learning new things like that. I think that's part of aging is that don't think you know everything, you know. And I can't read the paper anymore or magazines. I can only look at the pictures. I have this giant magnifying glass that I use. This thing up here. <laughs> I, oh, I nice. Carry, I got one in the car and, you know, I carry that around. I have a magnifying glass on my phone and but I can, I, uh, my daughter, sometimes she'll read something to me. If I say, can you read this to me? I, I, I can't really figure this out. She'll read it to me or my boyfriend will read something to me. And I just can't read, but there's audio books now. There's nothing to stop me from having the life I want. I'm chopping food. I can still see to do that well enough. I haven't chopped a finger off yet. I can do that. I made a caftan, you know, uh, you know I'm painting. So I'm not letting macular degeneration stop my life you know, until my sight isn't good. But I was my doctor, my sight is holding its own. I, I eat a lot of berries and I take a, a vitamin for my eyes and I've had the cataracts removed and I'm just doing the best I can with it. I've learned all kinds of tricks and uh, you almost forget that you can't see when I'm out walking every day. I don't really think I have an eye problem only when I go to read something then I see it that I have an eye problem. But otherwise on a daily basis, I don't even think about it. It's That's not amazing. Hard. And that's the mind-body connection. You know, you still live your life as if everything is, you know, perfectly in shape. And it is. It is. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Mimi Kirk. She is truly a powerhouse and a wealth of knowledge with so much life experience. We could have literally spent all day talking to her. We hope that you learned a lot from her story regarding the importance of nutrition and movement, as well as the importance of allowing your passions in life to fuel you and to embrace your purpose in life every day. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.